0: Welcome to Magnifying God in Your Twenties, a podcast dedicated to helping young adults in their twenties glorify God. For most of us, our twenties are some of the most pivotal and challenging years of our lives. This decade is a season when most people make huge life decisions that will impact the rest of their lives. This podcast aims to help young adults of our generation navigate these years through the lens of the gospel. Join us as we run towards Jesus.
1: another episode of magnifying god in your 20s magnifying god in your 20s is brought to you by Sai and manny and today's kind of interesting isn't it Cy? it's my birthday as of the day we're recording big day big day manny's birthday big two four big two four i'm old my bones hurt now i'm <laughs> <Don't laughs> joking now. but yeah big two four Golly, God is good. 23 was a very big developmental year, just in general, spiritually. Manny,
0: what's the biggest thing that, like, stood out to you or you learned from the 23rd year
1: of your life? Ooh, good question. At 23, you learned that... Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know how to answer the question. Uh, let's see.
0: Well, here's here's another one I have. For the Big 2-4, for this next year,
1: what is something you're looking most forward to? Wow, uh, Big 2-4, I it definitely like more, growing more spiritually in terms of knowledge and doctrine and getting closer to God. I think that's something to always look forward to every year whenever you like celebrate like a mark. Like, wow, God has made me survive another 365 days. How can I use this next 365 days, God willing, to glorify Him in everything I do and to have my eyes continue to be fixed on Him and finish and run that race until it's like, all right, come on. (laughs) And for those
0: listening, Manny here, actually, big step, uh, just uh, stepped onto a role with our church at Christ Chapel. And so, Manny, just really quick, kind of walk us through what is something – like you're most looking forward to with your new role with the
1: church? Yeah, so my role with the church currently is associate to. Uh, it's I mean, Christ Shop. We have young adult Wednesday night called renovate, and my role basically is assisting with the shepherding of guys, and that means like every now and then I'll meet with one on one with a guy and just walk and talk about know, what's going on in their lives, and, you know, kind of share each other's burden and iron sharpening iron, and, and I just get to, like, meet people more intentionally, and I get to know them more on a more personal uh, level as, you know, associate staffer and just shepherding guys as giving me the opportunity to, to be able to, you know, walk with guys with their struggle, and walk with them with, like, just helping and assisting in how they lead their own groups. So. Yeah, there's a lot that I've been learning being on ministry in terms of doctrine. We're reading this book um, on theology and it's been it's a very dense read. And we're also reading this other book called Imperfect Pastor, which you know zooms in on being doing ministry and defining ministry as what God defined ministry to be. Because oftentimes we have our own idea of what ministry is, and it's like, well, is that i Is that thought in line with God's thought? Because if you're doing what you think ministry is, haven't you missed the purpose of what God has called you to do? So it's like, okay, what does God define as ministry? And having love, the foundation of those things. That's a long-winded way to answer that question.
0: <laughs> well, we're all really excited for you, Manny. And on this special day for his birthday, I uh, just want to just – really say how much like i appreciate manny and his heart really for all of you guys for people in their 20s and um manny really does and i think you know this is obviously you know how this kind of podcast came to be but manny is just someone who really does love people very genuinely and really does care about their eternity and where they're going and he wants to bring as many people alongside of him as he can on this run and i'm honestly (laughs) thankful to be one of his brothers in Christ. They get to walk alongside him through this podcast, through yeah. just doing life together and in our you know, our renovate community mm-hmm. here at Christ Chapel in Fort Worth. And I'm glad that, you know, not only do we have this platform here to really help really, you know, people in their twenties mm. do life. But also it's so cool, man, that you now have this opportunity through this position at the church, really just to put all your energy and all your focus on supporting our young adult ministry and those in their twenties really point towards Christ and his and his word and growing. And I'm just really excited, man, just to see uh, the fruit that God kind of brings out of this. So, Manny, we all love you and appreciate you, man. And happy birthday! Hope you, you feel you. appreciated and celebrated today on this special day. Yeah, it's been awesome All right.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's my week. It's not even my week, but that's just kind of like. Our uh, introduction. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: we love it. And we're just excited to be back with you guys and to continue our conversation on the gospel. And before we jump into that, I think we're going to have our quotes for the day, which by the way, Manny, yes. this has become one of my favorite things we do. And so I'll go ahead and kick us off on mine. So mine today is going to be uh, a quote from R.C. Sproul. And the quote is, I think the greatest weakness in the church today is that almost no one believes that God invests his power in the Bible. Everyone is looking for power in a program, in a methodology, in a technique, in anything and everything but that in which God has placed it, his word. He alone has the power to change lives for eternity. And that power is focused on the scriptures. And just reading that quote, Manny, like, that was just so convicting for me because... I mean, I personally see that in my life. Like, not only do I see it in the church, but I really do look for power in everything else. And I think I'm always trying to look, you know, for the, you know, what are the three steps to improve my life? And I think, you know, this is really, like, our heart for this podcast, too, is really to continue on to remind ourselves. But to help really, you know, those in their 20s, like, grow in God's word and be pointed back to God's word. And like, how do we actually not just get, you know, application and, you know, here are the three steps you need for the situation you're in. But how can we get to a place where we, one, see God's word as relevant, right? Because I think that's the first step. Because if you don't see God's word as like relevant or like truly from him or written by him, then like, I don't think you put any relevance on it, right? And so the first step for me is like one, that step of like really truly understanding that, This is a book that God wrote and it's from him and and it's powerful and it's what we should be using as like a lens to all this other stuff. And that's really the heart of this podcast is like us reminding ourselves that God's power comes through his word and that we would remind ourselves to turn to it and we would know how to read it and comprehend it and then interpret it and apply it to our lives. And and that's really... um, the heart for this is, is to help, you know, others be able to do in- this on their own. And well, one of the things I think of too here is, um, man, it convicts me just that I need to be in God's word every day, really to experience this power in this life change, uh, really does involve like being, being in God's word. You know, I know for me, it's so easily just to get distracted and to be, you know, look for that in, 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 uh, in other ways. And, you know, one of the verses I just think of right now is, you know, Second Timothy, you know, 316, where, you know, God says, you know, like, like scripture is God breathed and is, and is useful for everything. And so, you know, I think that's kind of why this verse really stood out to me is just, you know, you see it in our church and really, I mean, in all of us just really forgetting, I think, the power of God's word and its relevancy. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you and I laugh. It's like if we ever have like an episode or discussion where it's not really based around God's word, we're like we're gonna throw it, just out. Throw it out. Just throw it <laughs> out.
1: Yeah. No one cares and, about what we think. You know.
0: Yeah, and and one thing I was just you know thinking about too is why is God's word like why is it relevant? And and you you read in John one, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, it was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of the men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome it. And then you skip down to verse 14, and it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. And we see here, right, that the word is God and it's Jesus like Jesus it says here the word became flesh and dwelt among us and I think that really just highlights like the power of of God's word too but Manny, kind of what do you
1: what are your thoughts on that quote yeah like you're you're um, reading that and that's like actually read the quote again and the first thing that I can think of is the doctrinal statement of Sola scriptor where with scripture alone, and nothing outside the scripture, like we receive instructions from God through the scripture, through the lens of the scripture, and in the scriptures I would view other things like social issues, political issues, and everything. It's foundationally in the scripture. But what's really interesting with the quote is that Ashes Pro was saying like, this is one of like the problems or the weakness in the church today. Like no one really believes that scripture is the power of God you know you know everyone's looking for a program and a method methodology like what method or what steps or what 12 steps program can I use to decipher I guess walk through social issues uh, and it's it's like as Christians that's that's our foundational you know truth and he says like there was the end of the quote like he alone has the power to change lives for eternity. So the word itself, I think, as part of itself. Like Hebrews 4, for example, talks about the word of God is a double-edged sword. Like, it pierces through bone and marrow. So there's a, there's a sense of conviction that happens through the scripture. And the other thing with even scripture is that different authors, different points in time, all pointing to one story, separated by time and separated by space. Imagine David, maybe David is not a good example. Imagine, you know, one of the prophets writing the prophecy of the coming Messiah, and then the story of Matthew, pointing to the prophets. I think the, Ma- Michael, Malachi talks about the coming of the Messiah and the story of Matthew, Mark, Luke, you know, proves what Isaiah, for example, was talking about way beyond prophecy was for few. So there's like one Corinth story by different authors coming to one point, like, okay, this is what Christ is coming to accomplished. So to say that scripture is just a book that many men wrote and it's contradictory is not even true. And it's one of the things we're going to even talk about in our podcast today. Man, that even shows that the evidence that The inspiration of the Holy Spirit is behind the authors of the writers of these books. And I think that is that to me is one solid evidence that the Bible is, the Word of God is God-breathed. Trust it. Don't lean in your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God. This is Isaiah 55. As high as the heavens is above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts like like I like, like I said, like no one should really care about what we think. They should really care more about what God thinks. As we examine these things through biblical lens.
0: Manny, I I love that. Like I think that is so good, and just hearing you talk about that, really, like I don't want to like we don't have to jump too far ahead. But I love like I love how you and I really just discuss these things and just where it goes, it goes. And I definitely want to jump back to your quote mm. here soon, but like I agree with you. I think like when we think about okay, you know, today's episode, really the main theme is, you know, we've talked a lot about like what is the gospel, but we really want to break down like like why do we believe it? And I definitely agree with you that like one of those reasons is kind of that logical explanation of like it's a like single coherent theme throughout all of scripture that points to the same message. And like, this is, like, how God, Manny, like, would write a book. Like, this is not a book that, like,
1: like how man would, would ro- ro- write a book. And just to interject, like, if I was writing a book about myself, would I ever talk about how imperfect, how broken I am? <laughs> Which is essentially, like, what the Bible talks about, like, man, you suck, you know, and you need Christ, you know. Oh, 100%, like,
0: if I were to write a book or, like, in general, if man would write a book, right, like, we would... Diminish our defects and really exaggerate our virtues. Oh, yeah. Like, this would be like, you know, building us up, us up, but like, that's not what we see. Like, right, this is a story mm-hmm. really about God, not about us. And it's about a God who is good and perfect and holy and who continues mm-hmm. to pursue us and never gives up on us despite our brokenness. And like, we continue to fumble yeah. and <laughs> stiff arm God away, but he continues to never give up on us and is like, no, like, I want you to be back with me, mm-hmm. to be co rulers in my kingdom. And, like, God does not compromise, right, to bring salvation to a broken humanity. Um, And I look at that, man, and, like, that's definitely, you know know what I love what you said too, Manny, is one of the questions I, I first had when I first trusted in Christ was, like, Manny, you just said it. Like, if we were to write a book, it would not be like this, right? Because mankind is inherently, like, broken and sinful, right? And we would have tried to cover that up. And so, one, one of the things I really struggled with was, Manny, why can we trust this then if we have all these broken men writing this book?
1: Well, before we jump in that, let's, let me just <laughs> say my quote, because this is C.S. Lewis. It says, reality, in fact, is usually something you could not have guessed. That is one of the reasons I believe Christianity. It is a religion you could not have guessed. If it offered us just the kind of universe we had always expected, I should feel we were making it up. But in fact, it is not the sort of thing anyone could have made up. It has just that queer twist about it, it, that real thing, have. So let us leave behind all these boys' philosophies, these oversimple answers. The problem is not simple. The answer is not going to be simple either. So I think the thought that comes to mind before even dive into like our topic for today is, the problem is not simple, the answer is not simple, but we're gonna try our best to explain to the best of our ability. I mean, we're not even experts in this. This is just you know something we've done a little bit of research on, um, but we're gonna try to share our thoughts on that. But like this is even along the line of something I was saying earlier. Like you could have not. Guess the Christian faith. Like, we live in a world where I do this and I get this as a result. I work for you, you pay you, you pay me money. You know, I I help you move your house, you give me pizza. It's like, <laughs> but Christianity, uh, Christianity is like, you don't deserve this. You've offended me. You've transgressed all the parameters that I've set for you to dwell. And you've broken the law years salvation we didn't pay for it we didn't do anything to deserve it it's just like it's it's like a worker that relies on his boss and never shows up for a day at work and, it, and his boss is aware of it and still pays him his daily wages you know it's it becomes a gift and I think no one in their right mind could have guessed that but that's that's the story we see in like the entire, uh, scripture. It's God's free gift of salvation. He gives the gift of faith, and you believe in Him, and you trust Him, and that faith produces obedience, and you're able to walk in accordance to his, his His will. And, you know, I just think that no one could have guessed. Um, it's one of the. It's the only faith that preaches grace and not works. What do you think, Cy? Si?
0: Many, I, I think that that is great. And, yeah, I definitely also just want to caveat all of this. Really, this discussion we have today in all of our episodes is that, yeah, we're definitely not experts in this. But we really just want to have a discussion, around, a discussion around this. And we really hope it spurs on all of our listeners to engage in this and to do their own research as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're going to dive into, you know, through this episode, a few explanations as to, like, why many, and I believe the hospital and things like we researched or thought about. And kind of going along, really, the one we're talking about right now, uh, which is kind of just this logical explanation, this one of the Bible just having the single coherent theme around it, really talking about, okay, like, what is that theme? And really quick, I just want to recap the theme that we're talking about. If you're just kind of jumping in with us here in, in what we talked about in one of our previous episodes, which is this idea of the good news, the gospel, And the theme we're seeing here, right, is to go all the way back because right in the beginning, right, we were created through and for God. Right. We were co-rulers in unity with God. And but what we see though is at the very beginning of this book is that we wanted to be our own gods. And that's really where sin, death, and destruction enters. And there's nothing we can do on our own to get back to this perfect God, right? There's this chasm in between because of our sin. And there's no good works that can bridge that gap. But one of the most beautiful things in this grand narrative is that God doesn't give up on us. He starts all the way at the beginning of this book in Genesis, and he has a plan to personally come and save us. And this is really what connects really the Old Testament, the New New Testament, is this theme of Jesus is that person, God coming personally to bring us back to him. And he does that by living the life we couldn't live, right? He lived the perfect life we couldn't live. And he also does this by dying on the cross, like taking on that penalty that many talked about, right? That way, like the wages of sin is death. Like what we earn for our sin is death, but God has given us this free gift through Jesus. And now, you know, if we trust in Jesus and and follow him, when God sees us, he sees Jesus's righteousness. And so, many was talking about earlier right you see like even like the prophet isaiah saying hey you know god's going to come personally to us There's going to be this messiah right and when jesus steps on the scene like he says like you know i i i am the, the one that personally came like the kingdom is here i've he says i've come to fulfill the law and to fulfill all the things you have heard and he even kind of talks about this uh in in luke 24 and Manny, what you and I would do to be there for this conversation, we just lo- <laughs> we, we see in Luke 24 that that G- Jesus says, "Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. It's like they totally missed it. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in the scriptures the things concerning himself. Like walking through, hey, this is how this whole narrative points to me. And I I love that, Manny, like, it's crazy that this book is written written by so many different authors over so many years in different cultures, different languages. And it's not like they're all, you know, hey, we're all going to go to this, you know,
1: we're going to go to the Manny conference and we're
0: going to, like, talk about this. And, oh, okay, this is where we're on the line. Like, no, like, dude, there are, like, no gaps. Like, it It fits. And it's just, it's amazing and how it really does point to this one grand narrative um, that we we see here. And I guess kind of going back to my question earlier for you, Manny, is like one thing I struggled with when I first believed is like scratching my head being like, so we're talking about how mankind is broken. Mm-hmm. Well, then how is this, like why, why then can I trust this book, right, that if it was written by imperfect people? And, mean, I love what you said that what we see like one, right, we see in 2 Timothy 3, 6 we we about that. It, it says like all scriptures God breathed, like breathed out by him. But when it comes to these different men writing the book, mm. Manny referenced this, it's in Second Peter. I think Peter really does kind of break this down well, well for us. Mm. And he says in Second Peter uh, 1, he says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You just get chills reading that. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so right there we see that, right, this scripture is not coming just from like man's own interpretation. But it's truly through, God God is is working through these men. Carrying them um, through the through the Holy Spirit uh, to bring the word that we have, which I think uh, again Manny is is so so uh, amazing. But kind of like, what are your
1: what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So one of the things was, I'm thinking that the conversation is probably direction the conversation is probably going to go today is examining like different um, evidences as to like okay, why then can we believe in a book that was written thousands of years ago, you know. And one of the things we're going to examine today is, you know, historical evidence. And a lot of it will be picking writings from secular historians of the time that reported Christ's life, death, resurrection, the troubles that was going on in um, the city at the point and the uproar of and the rise of Christianity. And something you're going to even notice in this quote is that some historians, in the attempt that they are going to like, in the attempt to deny some certain details of who Jesus is, they confirm it unintentionally. But there's one resource for you guys to get like as much detail when it comes to like research like this is J. Warner Wallace's website. It talks about, it is an apologist and does, does, does a lot of talk on cold-case Christianity. And it has like a YouTube video of historians that proved uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So I encourage you guys to watch it, but this episode is going to be like kind of like a short summary of what that is. So we're going to examine historical detail. side do you have?
0: Yeah, so today, Manny and I, kind of the high-level... You know, kind of explanations mm-hmm. that, that kind of we have that we're gonna walk through, is really the first one we looked at. Right, is kind of just that that logical explanation. Mm-hmm. Right, just looking at how it's you know just a single coherent theme through throughout the Bible. All right, then we're gonna really talk about the historical kind of explanation. Right, how like these people and places in the Bible, like really did show up in in history yeah. and like how the Bible isn't just all kind of made up and these places are made up. Like how it's really a part of history. Mandy's gonna break that down for us mm-hmm. as well. then we're going to talk about our personal favorite, which is the empirical explanation, which is really just theory and just logic aside. It's how we can look at really your own personal experiences and life change as evidence. And then the last ones we have that we're going to look at is kind of the biblical explanation that we kind of already talked about on how the Bible claims to be God's word. Yeah. And so, you know, if we do believe in Jesus and what he says and who he says he is, then then the Bible confirms that like, you know, this isn't just a book written by men, that it, they were carried along to the Holy Spirit and that this was spoken Absolutely. through God's mouth. And then really And then we're gonna break down to today, I think it's important to talk about the resurrection yeah. and really the proofs of the resurrection because someone has once said it we're a resurrection religion and like a lot really our faith really does kind of hinge on mm-hmm. the resurrection. So Jumping into it, Manny, let's kind of talk through the
1: historical kind of explanation. All righty, historical explanation. So we look at Luke, uh, Matthew, and Mark, and they all have recordings of Christ's life, his death with details, and his resurrection. So let's let's just zoom in on his death, for example, his death. Was recorded. that it was he stood before Pontius Pilate. It was it was um, Pontius Pilate was his juror, and he was crucified. And in his crucifixion, there was darkness that covered the land, and that was when like the temple veil tore into pieces, representing like our the bridge between man and God has been torn. Then you have his resurrection, and then you have the rise of Christians, and you see. Rise of Christianity in the book of Acts. So, those, those are like the summary of the narrative that you would see in um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Acts also. But there are like, there's a secular historians trying to disprove, I guess, Jesus' life. And in, a, in the attempt of disproving it, they actually prove that Christ lived. So, this is Philagian. Uh, 80 to 140 AD, put in Oregon. So now, Philegian in the 13th or 14th book, I think of his chronicles not only ascribed to Jesus as Jesus in knowledge of future events, but also testified that the results correspond to his predictions. And this is what it says Jesus, while alive, was no assistant to himself, but that he arose after death and exhibited the marks of his punishment and showed his hands as being pierced by nails. What? This is a secular historian, eighty to four four hundred and eighty four hundred one hundred and forty eighty. And in in that statement, this is what he has admitted. He has admitted that Jesus lived. He has admitted he was crucified. And he he just talked about is evidence of showing farmers like you're here, here the olds in my hands. So that's that's just one um one is uh secular history and there's another one, Mar Brasir a Assyrian philosophers of seventy AD. Here's what he said What benefit did the Athenians obtain by putting Socrates to death? Famine and plague came upon them as judgments for their crime. Or did the people of Samos for burning um, Pythagoras? In one moment, their country was covered with sand, or the Jews by murdering their wise king. After their kingdom was abolished, God rightly avenged these men. The wise king lived on in the teachings he enacted. And in that, he had admitted that Jesus lived, Jesus was crucified, Jesus. Was called Christ. And he called Jesus the wise king. So, this is all another secular historian, like admitting, and you can find like these quotes in Matthew, Mark, Luke of like what's going on. But this is a secular historian just admitting the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Here's another secular historian, Thallus. This is 52 AD, quoted by Julius Africanus. On the old world, there pressed the most fearful darkness, and the rocks were rent by an earthquake, and many places in Judea and other districts were thrown down. This darkness, Talus, in the third book of his history, calls and appears to me without reason an eclipse of the sun. It just describes what happened when Christ was crucified, and in that he has admitted that oh, Christ really lived. Christ was crucified. When Christ was crucified, there was darkness that engulfed the districts, and there was earth earthquake. It, like he had admitted, like all these events that the Bible already goes into detail. And this is a secular historian. Here's another one. Maybe I'll say one last one and call it, <laughs> and move on to the next section. This is Colinius Taticus, historian of fifty six. To one hundred twenty-eighty, is what he said. Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero faceted the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite torture on a class hated for their ab- abominations, called Christians by the uh, populace. Christians, from whom the name at its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the end of one of the most one of our persecutors. Pontius Pilate, and a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out not only in Judea, the first source of of the evil, but in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find a center and became, become popular. So Colinius is saying, well, Christ was... Um, Judge under Pontius Pilate, was persecuted under Pontius Pilate. And we see this in Matthew, Mark, Mark, Luke, and John. I keep forgetting John. He uh, was persecuted under Pontius Pilate, believed because you're going to persecute someone that existed. <laughs> uh, he was crucified, and Christ's, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection began the Christian movement that created an opera in Rome. So you have like these secular historians. Talking about, like, in the hatred for Christianity, in the hatred for this thing, admitted like certain events happen, and in the admission, confirmed biblical evidence that has been written down. So, that alone, at least from an historical perspective, if we were to be unbiased, we can logically or historically come to the conclusion that it's either Jesus lived or he didn't, and evidence is really points to he really did. But that's a mouthful.
0: <laughs> that was awesome, and I real quick. I just want to now really talk about just a little bit more on the resurrections, mm. on the resurrection and, and proof for the resurrection, mm. and like everything hinges on that. And what I think about Manny is in uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen, Paul says, "Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead?" Mm. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Mm -hmm. And really, it's just, man, the resurrection is is, is everything. And right now, I just want to kind of really talk about uh, a man named uh, Lee Strobel who wrote uh, The Case for Christ, which is (laughs) definitely a book that's been impactful to both Manny and I and Mm -hmm. I think is definitely some of the thoughts that we've gotten for really this episode comes from him. And he has such a, a really fascinating story where, where Lee, he really set out to prove Christianity wrong and to prove the resurrection wrong. Mm -hmm. But honestly, through science and through this journey that he went on, he came actually to the conclusion that Jesus was real Mm -hmm. and what he said was real and that the resurrection actually happened in full circle like came to actually believe in Christ and believe in the resurrection. And I think he really, I was really, I think Lee really breaks it down so well. And, you know, I'm just going to really simply break it down into four points that he's talked about before when it comes to the proofs of the resurrection. And the first one he talks about was like that Jesus was was actually dead. Uh, There's no record of anyone surviving a Roman crucifixion. I mean, it was really like the most brutal way they had to kill someone. And one one quote that, that we had that I like is from the Journal of the American Medical Association. So this is a, you know, non-Christian association. And what they said was clearly the weight of the evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound to his side was inflicted, right? So we have, okay, Jesus was dead. The next thing is, is like, one thing, many I thought when I was new to my faith or before I, I truly believed is that really, like, Christianity just formed over many years. And it was almost like a legend in the making. And Lee talks about, like, that's something he really thought when he was an atheist is that really the misconception of that, like, really, this just took a while in the ancient world. It was a legend that was built up. But when you look at it, that's not it. Like, we have early accounts of the resurrection you know, Lee talks about um, that we have preserved creeds of the earliest Christian church. Uh, really, what he calls like these new fla- these news flashes from ancient history, where they were right after the, after the re- resurrection, really like sending out these notices of like what's happening. And so, really, you see these eyewitness reports of the resurrection and these creeds dating back to you know right near when Jesus died and was resurrected. So I think if Jesus was dead, right, you have these early accounts. Then there's the empty tomb, right? Like even the opponents of Jesus admitted that the tomb was empty. And uh, You know, it's so funny. I think one of the easiest like evidences for this is uh, in Matthew 28 when the guards are like admitting that the, like the body's gone the because they're because they're trying to they're like finger pointing, yeah. and it says. Uh, While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taking counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, "Tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were (laughs) asleep." And like that right there is proof within itself that the opponents of Jesus were like panicking there and like trying to like yeah think of think of a way. And then the kind of last one that he has there is like, there was just so many eyewitnesses, you know, he talks about at least nine ancient sources confirming, um, you know, that the disciples encountered Jesus and it just wasn't even the Mm -hmm. disciples, but he met with so many other people as well. Mm -hmm. And so right there, like, those are just a few points that, you know, Lee talks about. And again, Case for Christ is a great book. If you really want to dive into this, this more, Um, but Manny, I think the next one we can kind of move on to is our personal favorite one, which is um, really it's called the uh, empirical explanation. And really, what this means is, so I I looked up like the word empirical, and what it said was based on, or concerned with, or verifiable by observation or experience, rather than theory or pure logic. And personally speaking for me, like I have truly experienced life change since I trusted in Christ. And really it's like, it's my life experience and my life change that I've had that tells me this is not just some ordinary book or m- message. Like many, th- like this is a book that claims to change lives, mm-hmm. right? Like you look at second Corinthians five seventeen 17, it says like, therefore you are a new creation. And And it actually does like, you know, and you know, what's crazy is like, it's been changing lives for thousands of years. Right. And it's not been limited by ethnicity, by language, by time, this, it continues to change lives. And like one of my favorite things is I just love hearing people's testimonies, just really hearing about where people were and where, how Jesus met them, where they are and how Jesus has really like transformed their life. And it's not that our lives are perfect but we just continue to be sanctified, to look more like Christ every single day. And that's why I think this is like my personal favorite of the explanations is because it's one that like you and I have like personally experienced. And um, I don't know, Manny, like kind of what are your thoughts on on that one? Yeah, I
1: think like, you know, it's, it's just really interesting how like it's important that other people understand like the greatness of our sin, so they can understand the greatness of God's grace. Any, I don't know if you read this already, but it, if you look at Corinthians, it talks about you know if I think First Corinthians, let me see if I can just read it. It's First Corinthians fifteen, verse. 17 and it says and if christ had not been raised your faith is futile and you are still in your sins then those who have fallen asleep in christ have perished if in christ we have hope in this life we are of all men to be most pitied so what, what that's saying in first Corinthians is that if the resurrection and that's why everything is engine on the resurrection if the resurrection was fake then our relationship as christians is futile like we don't why do we, why are we Christians then? So I think personal testimony does come to play. Like when you share your testimony, like let, let sinners understand your brokenness so they can understand it, understand God's greatness and his redemption and his sacrifice and his love and his hatred for sin. Like that way, like people can be in hall and wonder of, oh my goodness, this is an awesome God. But I, I think personal testimony does go a long way when, you know, when you when you share a testimony like, hey, I've given you like all I'm delivering. It can be like Paul, like I'm delivering this to you as a false imp- importance that Christ was, you know, buried and he rose from the dead from the, from the grave. I mean, I, I should probably should read, I should probably read that so I don't butcher it. And while
0: Manny looks that up, I and one I love when we have like page flipping going on like I love how we're you know just trying to be God's word and one thing I am thinking about right now too is like if you were not there to witness something Manny like like how would you believe them right mm-hmm. and like it's how it's how they changed their life like yeah. they wouldn't like you wouldn't believe someone if they said hey like here is something that happened to me and it changed my life then you're gonna be like okay well let me look at their life change their heart change their life trajectory mm-hmm. and I think like there's no better example then Paul right who was really against Christianity who he's like you know a Pharisee of Pharisees hunting down Christians but then he meets Jesus on the road of to Damascus and you know he claims that you know I met with Jesus and he changed my life and even remember the disciples yeah. are kind of like uh we don't know about like yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we don't know about we, this we know. but you look at like, we wouldn't, write, we wouldn't believe, like, Paul says that, but we wouldn't believe him, right, if he didn't have that life trajectory and and, and heart change. And even the disciples who are these uneducated fishermen going to the ends of the earth to face persecution, and they met Jesus and their life was changed, and you just see power in that. And, I mean, it look, looks like you found it, but, like, I don't know, what kind of yeah. your thoughts on that, or you want to go back to kind of what you are reading? I was reading? just
1: going to say, like, you know, First Corinthians 15 talks about, like, um, this is Paul delivering, like, the... You News know, of salvation or the gospel as of first importance. It says this is First Corinthians fifteen verse verse three. It said, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And this is this is what it is delivering to them. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. Like Christ died, that's a factual evidence in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, who is also called Peter, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, so he's delivering like the gospel, what do you need to understand about the gospel, that Christ died, arose, and appeared to many, that's it. And all we can say as Christians to non-believers is believe, have faith, put your trust in God.
0: Like, I love that, man. It's like, it, yeah, you have to have, like, believe, like, pray every day that like, God helped my own belief. Yeah. Like, you know, it just takes faith. And one thing I love, like a quote, kind of as we end our time here mm-hmm. from Lee Strubble, he says, Christians can have doubts and they can have questions. The healthy way to deal with it is to talk about it and to be honest about it. I mean, that's really what we want to do today is like, okay, like I'm someone who I hear the gospel. I'm like, yes, like that's what I want. I believe that. I believe in Jesus Mm -hmm. and what he says and who he says he is and God's word. Then really, I mean, I love our next step today. It's 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 healthy to process through these things. Mm -hmm. And we just hope that everyone listening is encouraged today, you know, that you see there's this, you know, strong foundation there that the resurrection did happen and Jesus is who he says he is and that he is God and what he says and believes is true and Right, like this should change the way that like we read the Bible and that we live our lives, right? And you know we see the Bible claims to be God's word, and you know I think we can believe that, and we just see the power and the life change that comes from that. And you know, going forward, like I'm just excited to continue to have you know these these conversations.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I mean the last thing I would like to add is um, this story that was told to me by someone I really respect, Doug Cecil. Um, so Doug tells the story is like just let's say you're, you're in a plane. Planes going down and you are given you have three, three 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 group of people. We have one man who during the briefing safety briefing he just fell asleep. What happens when the plane crashes? Plane crash because his father asleep during the safety, brief, safety briefing, he dies. Um, you have the second man who was awake during the safety briefing, but could care less and take an action in, um, whenever the plane crashed. So plane crashing, he sees a parachute, mm, I'm not going to take it, he dies. Then you have the third man who was awake during the safety briefing, listened, and when the plane was crashing, it was like, oh, man, i my got to put my, my, gotta put my uh, faith in that parachute. So what saved him? Is it is it the faith that saved him or the, f- the object of his faith? It's the object of the faith. The same way Christ is the parachute. It's the object of the faith. The world is going down. The plane's crashing. Man, put your faith in Christ, and he is the only one that can save you from, from death, honestly, internally. But I just wanted to end uh, with that short story. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I, I love that, Manny. And kind of my last quote that I'm going to have, this is actually a quote I got from Manny. I don't think he knew. I, I wrote this down. What? But Manny just said this to me once, and it really stood out to me. Manny said to me, the Bible is the only book that has eternal ramifications and the only book that can truly change lives. I love that, Manny. And I, I, love, I love our conversation today. Thank you guys for... You know, going to this conversation with us, like I said, we hope that you're encouraged and kind of spurred on to kind of process this yourself. Go out there, you know, read about it, do some yeah. research, and said, so mainly, are definitely not experts on this, but our hope is to always really just to do our best not to point towards ourselves, but to point towards God's Word and try to view these things through a biblical lens. And we're excited to see you guys again soon on our next episode. Yeah, we love you guys. Feel free to. Follow us on Instagram at magnifying underscore God. Great place to connect with us. Ask us questions, leave us messages. And that's really where our community is going to be that is slowly growing. And we're really excited for what God is doing through this community that we have. So we love you guys and we'll see you on the next episode.